Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the 4-7 Podcast. My name is RJ with Michael as always. Today I'm super excited. We have a special guest. We have Dawn Michelle from Fireflight. Uh, she is the lead singer, among many other things. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me. You're welcome, for sure. And you're calling uh, all the way from Nashville, or outside of Nashville. Uh, how, how's everything going on down there? Pretty good. We had a pretty day today. It's kind of a, I feel like it's unseasonably cold all over. I don't know if it's just everywhere I've been lately or whatever. So usually we're like 10 degrees. I guess it's that climate change or whatever. I was even down in Florida this last weekend and it was cold there. Like not cold, but you know, like cooler than it normally is. Usually we're kicking into those high temperatures by now. And uh, so I don't know, I guess it's been an extra long spring. Yeah, we have a funny joke up here in New England. It's called second spring. And so there's always this first spring that hits. Everybody gets out in their shorts and their T-shirts. And then like a week later, we get a snowstorm and it starts all over again. So I think we finally hit second spring. Listen, so we'll it was 80 degrees and it was short weather and sandals. I, so I have my own business doing photography and I do, you know, uh, real estate photography. So I'll go to these people's houses. Today I get to wear shorts, sandals, and a T-shirt. I felt like stylish and trendy today the the shorts and sandals can't beat it you wear shorts and sandals during the winter too so that doesn't count Listen, but i'm a, a diehard new englander okay it's either go big or go home so we're gonna uh, talk a little bit about uh fireflight a little bit about yourself um but if you just want to give a little heads up as to who you are and where you're from um a little bit about fireflight well fireflight is for old band, we've been around, we've been together since the year 2000, which was, and we worked together for five years, um, just a bunch of kids practicing in our garages and in our youth room and things like that. And then finally got signed um, to Audio Adrenaline's independent label called Flickr. Yes. Then Flickr got bought by Sony's Christian division, which was Provident and Essential Records. And so we got sold right along with that. And then we were on Provident and we did that for quite some time and um, built a momentum. And we were touring about three, three weeks out of the month for many, many years. Got to travel all over and I do a lot of cool stuff and go to the Grammys and different stuff like that. And um, now we're doing less touring, um, but we put out like five or six albums now. I think this last one was our fifth we released in October, but, um, we went independent, uh, after a long time on the label. And then we put out, uh, an independent release. And then more recently we signed with, um, some buddies of ours at Rockfest records, which is neat to be on a label that's run by artists for artists. And, uh, which was enticing to us enough to actually go with a label again and that, um, we worked with them to release our, our latest album, which came out in October, which is Who We Are, The Head and the Heart. And um, now we're just excited to have fans um, enjoying the new music and happy to still be making music, even though the world's been kind of at a standstill for a little while here with the pandemic. So yeah. looking, looking back, are you surprised at kind of how God kind of orchestrated Fireflight coming together? Because... If I remember correctly, you were singing at like a, was it a talent show? And then all of a sudden Fireflake kind of like came to you and said, Hey, we need a lead singer. Yeah. Um, I was graduating from high school and, um, Glenn and Wendy, who are the bassist and guitarist in Fireflight, they, um, they were there because Glenn's little brother, Dave, um, they've graduated with me. And we did, we were both in something called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Sure. And the Fe Fellowship of Christian Athletes would, would host a big service for all the graduating seniors every year. And I sang with some friends of mine who were also graduating. Um, we played like an acoustic song. It was a Jennifer Knapp song. And England and Wendy were there because it was David's, one of David's graduation services. And so they saw me sing there. And we actually already went to the same church, but they never really heard me sing by myself before. I would always sing in choir, things like that. And so they come up to me after and they said, hey, we're starting a band. We need a singer. Do you want to be the singer in our band? And I was like, 
okay. <laughs> and so um, I knew God had spoken to me about singing, but I didn't know what in what capacity it was going to be. I couldn't really picture it for myself because I didn't, at that time, the only opportunities I saw singing in Christian music were like as a choir director or something like that. And so I didn't see myself doing that. So <laughs> until uh, up walked the band and suddenly we were practicing together and we were just in a small town called Eustace and Glenn and Justin, um, our original electric guitarist, he, him and Glenn had gone to high school together. I went to that high school, but not till later because I was a little bit younger than them. And so I didn't really know them very well. But next thing I knew, we were all in a band together, just practicing two nights a week and just doing everything we could to try to become musicians. Now, looking back, I, well, now that you look back over the years, can you see all the doors God's opened and kind of how he, he orchestrated everything to come together for Firefly? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, we're just some from a small nobody town and um, God just worked through us. We just kind of refused to quit and we kept seeking after him and, and um, hoping to push down, you know, the parts of ourselves that were trying to get fame and things like that. And the, all the wrong intentions that our humanity tends to bring up inside of us. And we just kept working and kept going forward and keep moving, um, taking each step. And it's incredible the, the doors that God's opened for us. And even now that we're not doing it every day, like we used to be, um, the music is still kind of echoing out there and I'm still talking to people every other day about what the music means to them and mm. songs that we wrote. So, and God is still using and people are hearing those songs for the first time. And so it's incredibly humbling and it's amazing to see the way that God can work in our lives if we just, you know, just try to make ourselves available and we don't give up. So where did you grow up? And, and when you were growing up, uh, where, where did music and faith come into your life? Well, um, my family moved around a lot when I was young. Um, we dealt with a lot of um, tragedy and... Um, so I was coming into my um, my freshman year of high school. Um, my my dad had gotten a job in a in a faraway, about an hour away, and but we couldn't afford to move yet to where he was working. And so um, every morning I would wake up with um, my dad. I had two much younger brothers and sisters. I was much older, and we would get my brother and my sister ready and five in the morning, we'd be getting in the car to drive to the neighboring town and where, where my dad's job was because they decided that I should start high school there since eventually we were hoping to move. So then I would go and I would sit outside in front of the high school. It'll be dark outside by the time we dropped off the kids and I would wait for the doors to open and then the doors would open and I'd go inside and I'd sit inside the dark high school <laughs> until it was time to go to class. And then after school, my dad would come pick me up, take me to the library and I would just stay at the library till like six o'clock every evening Wow. Work and then we go pick up the kids from daycare and then we drive home an hour. And I did that back and forth, back and forth um, every weekday. And I wanted so bad to have friends, but my friends, the kids I was going to school with all lived an hour away from me. So, like, it was just a really lonely time for me. And so um, I wasn't raised in church, but I decided that I believed in God. I thought, you know, it doesn't really hurt to believe in God. And I feel like a lot of good comes from faith. And so I decided I believe in God and I decided to pray. I was like, God, if you'll just move me to the town where I'm going to school, if I could live in a neighborhood when, where I could know kids and have friends, you know, then I'll go to church. And so it took about a year and it was about my sophomore year of high school, probably the summer in between when we finally moved. And then school started and a kid came up to me who I used to sit with at the lunch table. And he's like, Hey, you should come to my church on Sunday nights. You know, the girls, a bunch of the girls, you know, have a small group and you could go be in that small group. And I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> and, um, and then that night I was laying in bed, looking at the ceiling. And I remembered that I made, so I was like, so I called and I was like, all right, man, I'll go with you to your small group at church. <laughs> and so I started going to the Sunday night and it was like a, all the girls in my grade kind of thing, all the sophomore girls, you know, had a small group and they were so sweet to me and so nice. And they were run by um, like a group mom and all that. And she was so kind to me too. And so then I started coming on Wednesday night to youth groups because they invited me to come to Wednesday night. And, um, and the youth pastor and his wife, they just loved on me so much. And like I said, I moved around a lot as I was young and there's a lot of hard things that my family went through. 
And so I always kind of felt like the odd man out, like everybody else in these small towns, they like were born at the same hospital and they went to, you know, they've been going to school with each other since kindergarten. And I always moved like every couple of years kind of thing. And um, I went to, you know, two or three different elementary schools and then a different middle school from that system. And then now a different high school from that middle school system. So um, I always felt like I didn't have anywhere to belong. And so I would try to like go to stores and like figure out what my style was and hope that that like maybe I'll dress like a surfer or whatever, you know, that'll be who I am, you know. So the emptiness. But um, as I started going to youth group, I really felt like it was a place that I belonged. And. I started learning about Jesus and I just was really impressed with Jesus. And I was like, this is who I want to be like. And that's when I um, started my relationship with God and started kind of moving towards trying to um, get closer to God. That's awesome. So, so but before Fireflight, what did you want to do with your life? Yeah, what were you thinking you were going to be? Well, um, my senior year of high school, um, I went to like a spiritual warfare conference. Yeah was a pastor there who was speaking but he only spoke spanish and his wife was interpreting for him so she he would stand on stage and he would preach and she would interpret in english it was really amazing to watch and then there weren't very many young people at this um, conference it was at a local church in our area and we were all it was me and a bunch of my friends and we were all sitting on one row together with some of our parents and he he pointed at us after he was done he started he started calling people down for prayer and so people were going and getting in prayer and stuff like that and then he called he said you kids come down here you know well, at least his wife interpreted you kids come down here so then he went online he was praying for us and he was prophesying over all of us in spanish and i had no idea what he was saying and his wife was just interpreting and he came to me and he said um he said, sing to me, my darling, sing to me morning, noon and night. You'll be like my Mary. You'll be like my Deborah. And um, you'll be like my M Miriam. And um, and so and then he moved on the line and started talking to my, all my friends, you know, and everything. So uh, after we got done with that, it was like, well, I was freaking out because I don't know this guy from a hole in the wall, you know, but here he knows that I like to sing, you know, and, uh, and that I'm a singer. And so I go back to, we finally, we go back to our chairs and my friend's mom's there and she's like sitting, writing everything down on a notepad that he says. And he goes, so she goes, so you're going to be a singer, huh? And I was like, is that what you got from that? I don't know. <laughs> So, um, like I said, I didn't know how that was going to work out in my life because at that time, the church I went to, like women, they, I mean, if you, you couldn't be like a female worship leader or worship pastor and stuff like that. So I was like, I have to be a choir. I don't know. I don't think that's for me. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I honestly didn't. Um, I knew my parents expected me to go to college. That's all I knew. And so, um, and literally as I was graduating from high school, you know, the walked up. <laughs> so it's like, it kind of hit me over the head with it with a stick. And then. That's awesome. So Fireflight comes about. Um, it seems easy. They come up to you. They say, hey, do you want to sing? Uh, what was the conversation you had with your parents about joining Fireflight? Uh, was that a struggle or was that easy? How, how was that? Like my parents expected me to go to college. So even though I felt like God was telling me I was supposed to be in this band and that's what I was going to do. There wasn't really a conversation I could have with my parents would be like, hey guys, guess what? I'm not gonna go to college all I know. But you know, I'm just gonna go be in this band. <laughs> Great idea, I promise. And so, um, but honestly, it takes a lot of hard work to even because we were just starting, you know, we we're just starting out. It wasn't like you're gonna go walk up on stage and now you're in a band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we took and a lot of bands, it's funny, we always joke that it took us a long time, but you know, easy come, easy go is what we would say, because it took us five years of practicing twice two, two a week practices um like working our jobs so we could pay band dues so that we could buy the equipment that we needed so we could get a trailer so we could go to short trips to play out at different places just far enough so we could get back to our jobs you know and i went to college during that time i went ahead i went to college while we were building all of and um got my degree and then um so it was really, it was kind of always leaps of faith, but, you know, we just kind of took whatever sin that make, we didn't know where we were going the next day. So we, we made the, you know, the next right choice for that day. And so we played and played and played out everywhere. We played bars, churches, fairs, yada, yada, all this stuff. We played a million battles with bands. We lost like all of them. Um, and I think we actually, did we win one? I think we won Festival Con Dios. I don't know if you guys remember Festival Con Dios a long time. Mm. Long time. Um, but we played a bunch of events there and we've got the chance to 
main stage or something like that. But, um, you know, God really just opened up the doors every way. Like another guy that we went to high school with, he ended up being like a roadie with different bands and he played that he ended up, um, eventually being in Reliant K, but he was a roadie with, for adrenaline. Um, and he would get us into audio adrenaline shows and he would get us backstage. And then we would try to talk to the guys on adrenaline about our band and all this stuff. <laughs> eventually it was audio adrenaline that signed us <laughs> and it was awesome. Us went to uh, high school with a guy named Bunch Nick. And so um, it was just, it was a long time and a lot of hard work. You know, like I said, it took us five years of hard work before we, and um, the, it, they say, you know, things come to those who wait, but only if you work. <laughs> John, take me to the time where you're practicing two days a week and you do feel like God's calling you to be in Fireflight, be a singer and, even to the band, the, the band feels like this is where God wants them to be. Five years is a long time. Did your faith ever dwindle? And so how, do you, how did you keep your faith strong? How did you keep your faith from dwindling to the left, to the right? How did you keep that focus saying, this is what God wants me to do? You know, I think it's just by God's grace. And I mean, if you get tunnel vision about what God's called you to do and you know that you know, I mean, I'm really thankful that, um, you know, from the teachings that I've heard is like when God gives you something like a prophecy or some kind of clear cut vision, like supernatural vision or whatever, you know, uh, the theory behind that is that the reason why I got to give you some kind of supernatural thing about this, is because there's no way in a million years that you would have the faith to stick it out and do what you have to do to make this happen. If he hadn't thrown you a bone, you know, like something like that. So with me, because God had like spoken to me through this obvious prophecy, you know, I knew that I knew that I knew. And when we first started the band as well, um, you know, I was praying, I was like, God, like really seeking God about it. And I mean, I was forsaking all other things, you know, to, to really press in and asking God what he wanted for me and all that stuff. And, and he gave me vision too, just showing me, I felt like he told me that he was going to take us out onto the stage of the world to, to share the message of his love. And, and because I had those promises, you know, inside my heart, it helped me to just keep working. And I mean, there was lots of people who spoke negativity to my life. We were terrible at first. Our first album, I'm so embarrassed by it. And people can find it on the internet. And I'm like, please, I wish they would all be destroyed. Um, you know, because you just start out, when you start off, you're not good at all. <laughs> and people said, oh, you guys are never gonna amount to anything. Oh, sure, Don, I'm sure God wants you to be a rock star. And that wasn't really ever my big desire to be a rock star. It was more my hope that I'd be able to do, you know, music ministry. But, you know, a part of you obviously wants, you know, hopes that it will be successful, you know? And even though there were so many negative uh, messages coming in and we were being told, sorry, it's just not where it is. And, and we lost every battle of the bands. I mean, seriously, <laughs> we just kept, we had tunnel vision for what we felt like God was calling us to do. And we didn't let ourselves, you know, turn off to the right or to the left. We just had to keep, uh, you know, in spite of what we saw, you know, um, and what things look like, we tried to have faith in the unseen. Now, things did pay off for you guys, obviously. You toured a ton. Uh, you came out with some independent stuff. Um, you finally sign uh, to a major record label and you come out with the Healing of Harms in 2006. Uh, what was it like joining a, a record company, coming out with a major debut album? Um, you know, what was that experience for you? That was pretty unreal. Like I said, we'd been working for so many years and kind of beating our head against the wall and to finally um, have some support, you know, by a major entity um, was really amazing. And, you know, you get to go and there's funds there to be able to do like a, a video shoot and, you know, a photo shoot and things like that. It was really surreal. And but it also kind of opens up all these doors and the things you didn't see coming. Like, you know, now you're standing there in front of the camera and someone's coming up and trying to fix you, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't like How was the first photo shoot? It was <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our <laughs> guys who was like one of the heads of our label our first label that we signed to he was like um super nice guy but for whatever reason he never knew quite how to say what he wanted to say in a way that uh make you feel terrible <laughs> you look grossly good right now <laughs> yeah so like okay so um i think i had like some pimples on my chin I yeah yeah like, I, don't know, I was like a little kid right um and how old was i don't know probably like 22 or something Anyways, I, uh, so he comes up to me and he like starts, he's like, he comes up with his hand and he's like, uh, yeah, can we do something about this? 
like right here. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going home. <laughs> I tell you, I, I can guarantee you, he was probably not a married man because once you get married, you learn what not to say to people. <laughs> and I, I'm sure, like looking in the face of the photographer, because like I was like, everybody knows we're just gonna Photoshop that, okay? Don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's got a question for you. I got a follow up question for you. So, take about I'm gonna take it back one more step, real quick. So, was Fireflight first started? Did you guys have a decision to be a Christian band, or did, or was it? Let's kind of see where it goes because Christian music. Once you put the label Christian, you already have preconceived ideas of people who are going to listen, who you're going to alienate. Now, I personally think. If you're a Christian band, say you're a Christian band. There are some people who go, well, we don't want to alienate people. Like, I just think that, I, I think that's ludicrous. I think that because you, you're going to just, just be, because you're a Christian, you're going to alienate people no matter what you do in life. Mm -hmm. I can see both sides of the coin with that. Like, we were all youth group kids. Yep. So much of Christian music, you know, and never really... It was always for us that we thought this was going to be. And Glenn, who um, who started the band, he had been in a several bands and with friends and everything in high school, and nothing ever worked out. And then he, so he found himself, you know, you know um, he felt like the guy. I really want to do this, but it's not. Nothing is working out. I can't get anybody who will be committed. You know, I don't know what to do. Um, and he felt like God was telling him he should try just one more time. You know, and he's like, okay, well this is going to be dedicated to you, you know? And so we came at it from the very beginning. We are, our commitment was, we just knew that that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to be a Christian band. And nice. we, you know, we were coming out in the golden age of Christian music, you know? So it was, I mean, for us, it was a no brainer. At the same time, I know I have lots of friends who are, who are Christians and they don't consider the band to be a Christian band because they just consider the music that comes out of what they make is what they feel, you know, that's what comes out of their spirit to make. And, and they are Christians in a band the same way you wouldn't think of yourself as like a Christian accountant or something like that yeah. accountant. And you'd be a Christian and you'd walk in love and whatever it was that you were doing. Sure. We'll do that too. I think in music. So, um, yeah, that for us though, we just always, that's how we were born. We were born a Christian band. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, I, I discovered you when you came out with, uh, unbreakable. Uh, that was kind of the, I guess, breakout uh, album. Um, and I don't know where I discovered you. I was listening to a ton of, of rock music at that time. Um, I, in our past podcast, we've talked about how bad my music choices were back in the 90s. But uh, I, I came... <laughs> that the truth? Sorry. I came into I came into the Christian rock scene thinking I could sing of your love forever was as good as it gets. And, you know then I discover you can scream in music and you can, you know, it's great. So Fireflight, Unbreakable, uh, this album was amazing first off, but uh, it was a hectic time for you guys from what I uh, have read about. Um, you guys had, I think it was six years to record your first album and then six months or so to record this one. So how was that? Well, that's because, you know, like I said, it took us five years even to get signed. So, you know, those first songs, <laughs> We they've been kind of us for that long. We've been working with them, and and um, a lot of them were written from scratch right at that time. But at the same time, it like took us that long. So then suddenly we're on a label, and now we're on this time scale. And they're always like yesterday. And so I'll tell you, okay, we hope to have it done by here. And then they'll move it up three months, you know, even though you're touring full time. And so Unbreakable really was kind of written under stress. We always joke that album years are terrifying because. So much of our lives and a lot of fans go into the making of our albums and the songs are fireflies music just happens to be music that's about you know i mean powerful topics and a lot of times difficult topics and we always find that we have so much inspiration uh just come into our lives right when um we have to about <laughs> it and so um, for us, Unbreakable, I mean, we we wrote that across the United States of America, like in sanctuaries of churches that were letting us sleep on the floor. 
<laughs> and uh, we were actually at Cornerstone, Illinois, waiting for, we were there for a couple of days, um, waiting to play. And we were sleeping on the floor in a church. And in that church, they let us set up in their sanctuary because they weren't doing anything with it during the week. And we were, um, you know, while we were there, we were writing music. And that's where Unbreakable, I can remember sitting on the steps of the, you know, the little steps that go up to the, <laughs> the carpeted steps of the stage of the church, writing the first words. And, um, so I think all that pressure, it's like being in a pressure cooker, but it really brings out the flavor and the intensity and the authenticity and the music, I think. So um, we just, we always kind of dread <laughs> writing here sometimes because we're afraid, no, this is when the bottom drops out. So now we have something to be inspired about. And, um, and that always has been the case. Nice. Well, I mean, again, probably one of my favorite albums, you know, to this point, um, it had a ton of, of really good songs off of it. Unbreakable, Brand New Day. Um, the Love We Had Before is is one of my favorites as well. Um, and then I think you guys came out with uh, an unplugged version of some of these songs uh, a couple years later with, I think You Decide was on that one too, which I really enjoyed hearing acoustically. Um, what was the idea to come out with kind of an unplugged version of stuff? Um, I think the label um was what wanting more material fresh material to push i think there also has something to do with like a japanese release <laughs> and um, okay and so like all of these factors came together and they they threw more money in the pot to record some more songs so we got to make these i think it was called acoustic and unplugged um EP, and we got to take like take the songs and make a new you know i'm trying to remember uh I think stand up or whatever was one of them. And I always called it like stand up the musical because it sounded like <laughs> suddenly we had taken it from Les Mis or something like that, you know, with all the, um, the musical interpretation was, and it was a lot of fun to go back to work. We just reworked a song off of our newest album for extra, um, extra material to release with a newest single and all that. And I haven't done anything like that probably since, um, the acoustic and a plugged EP. And so that was really fun to get in the studio and do something like that again. That's awesome. And I think, uh, was it just last year or maybe this year, the album went platinum or gold? I can't remember. I just saw something recently. Last year? I think it was under. Okay. And, um, nice. And it's like well, <laughs> a, a couple of years later, you guys came out with uh, yet another one. Um, really quickly, it seems like once you signed on to this, you guys were just rolling, uh, touring all the time. All the time when you're on that regular label. <laughs> so. so if you were to talk about some positive things about that time frame, other than it being hectic and crazy, obviously you guys wrote some great music during that time. What are some great memories you have of that time on the road as a band? Oh yeah, just countless memories. We had so many opportunities and what's really great about, there's, there's hard things about being on the road, but great stuff is that you get to meet night after night so many people who the music mean you know means something to them and um and we're just so blessed that god is like that our music has meant anything to anybody you know and so when night after night you have people coming up to you and telling you their stories and the way that the songs have impacted them and given them hope and and supported them in their dark times it's really kind of priceless there's nothing better than that and so now like for instance now we're not touring anymore but we're still releasing music but you feel kind of like a million miles away from anything that the music's doing because if you're not there in front of everybody night after night and talking to people um face to face like you just feel really kind of disconnected and mm. So that's what's really special about touring is that you get to really bond with the people who your music is making a difference in their lives. And that really kind of gives you a more of a sense of accomplishment and kind of energy and inspires you to keep to keep moving forward, which is why, you know, people still tour, even though it's a, a really difficult life. Now, you have two kids, right? I do. How has that changed your writing style? How has that changed with the way you um write music play music like because i know i have two kids and i think of myself before kids and after kids you know it definitely changes you god uses kids to change you whether he gives you a kid just like you were <laughs> as a kid but how does how has it changed you as a person how do your music your style what you write about yeah um you know it is really transformative when you have kids if you do I can remember when, you know, when my son, who was my first child, 
born and they brought him to me, like, I felt like, I don't know, like, I literally, you hear about it, but like somebody just came and brought to me here, here's the greatest gift of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that feeling. It's okay, some do a sick. But it really, it really changes your mind and your perspective. Suddenly you have this all important thing that you're ready to die for, you know? Mm. And that really does rearrange your priorities. <laughs> and so with Johnny, like he was born and we took a break from touring at the time because I couldn't tour when I was so giant uh, being, you know, you can't be traveling all around when you might have to run to the hospital any moment, have a baby. So I was home and then it took a little while before we started touring back up again. And I think he was, I want to say six months old when we did our first uh, tour, you know, and then we did a three month tour and then Johnny's, you know, sleeping in the bunk with me. He's a little baby. We're going all over the United States and then we're flying to Europe. We ended that tour in Europe and we were in Europe for, I don't know. I think it was just like a week long tour, but we were like in three different countries. It was insane. And, um, and that was pretty wild. I mean, we were touring with Sunday slumber that time actually. And, um, Kristen, who is Ken's wife, and she runs their their sound um, now, and she was doing all sorts of checking stuff back then too. She would hold Johnny for me during sound check, so she'd be walking around with Johnny in the audience, and he'd have his little headphones on, carrier, nice. <laughs> and I'd be up there doing sound check, and then she would hold him during the show, and then I'd get back. I mean, I would I would give her to give him to Kristen, get up on stage, get off stage, get him back from Kristen, and then go back to taking care of him. So it definitely was a totally different lifestyle. You know? But I do see a lot of that influence in our lives now that we've in our writing. There's at least a couple of songs on the last album where they're really from the perspective of a parent, kind of, you know. And I think it really changes you so much because it's hard to understand God. Um, obviously, you can just end that sentence right there with a period. Hard to understand God. Oh, um, interview, interview's over. Just kidding. <laughs> But I feel like he gives us small glimpses of his greatness and understanding and his perspective. And I think children is one way that he does that because my children were born. Suddenly I had this thing that I so much, you know, that I would do anything for right or wrong, really. <laughs> I may break the law for them <laughs> because I love them so much. Oh, yeah. A little small glimpse into God's love for us because we're God's children. You know, he sent his only son. And then what he was willing to do for us, he sent his own son. Like I have a little boy named Johnny. He sent his Johnny down to die, you know, for me. And I couldn't do that. Sorry, you guys would just be out of luck. Um, but that just, it shows a window into how much God loves us. It's incredible. It's unfathomable. And to just even have just light, slightly put my finger on the pulse of God's love for us is such an incredible gift and mind blowing. And I think it, it it's so growing and it helps to grow in grace for yourself and for others. When you start to see yourself the way that God sees you and when you start to see the world and other people the way that God sees them, you're just, I feel like you're growing more like God um, in his spirit is love and that's like a priceless priceless thing so i mean having children is definitely transformative i think the best way that it's transformed me is in giving me small glimpses of god's love for from myself and for and for all of his children i'll tell you one thing though and you kind of hit it right there is that the one thing and i have two kids they're five and seven and there's days i love them so much and there's days i love them so much but i i'm just like what is your problem but know what i mean it, it is i think the biggest thing i've learned that Christ has taught me, and I think you're kind of saying this, but you learn what true love is when you have your first kid and your first child because they, you, they've one, they need you 100%. And two, when you have your first child, even your second child, then your patients start getting really um, tested and really they start, they start pushing those buttons. And then you really have to learn what how to love someone that you just want to be like what are you doing and that's how christ is for us because christ, christ loved us so much he sent his son to die for us knowing that we're, we're not these perfect people and i see that all the time in my kids like i have these two kids who push my buttons all the time but i would still die for those kids every single day totally yeah uh, you're so right i think that i always say like having kids is the best and the absolute worst hardest. I'm into that. 
complexity of life. And I just try to remember, okay, these kids are acting like kids. I'm mad at them because I see all these adults acting like kids and I'm associating these of adults with my children. But my children are <laughs> they're just being kids. <laughs> That's true. I, my patience is being tested this week. I have four children and oh. one of them was just born in March. So uh, we have a baby screaming all the time and three kids. Um, so it's been a lot, but it is, it's, it's such a blessing and it does change everything. I mean, I, I, I'm not in the music business right now. You know, I, I, I have a side job, but I also do the podcasting thing with Mike here, but uh, it changes everything. Um, and also um, you're married as well. And you've been married for what, 10 or 11 years now, I think. That sounds about right. We're really bad about it. <laughs> well, I only know because I saw I saw a post about it. But the um, it, it, how did you guys meet, and how did that change um, kind of the band's atmosphere? Well, um, we you know the band we pretty much we started with Glenn and Wendy being married, and it's had like marriage has already been a, always been a part of our band and we kind of treated our band like a marriage we were really like loyal to it to the end even though we all wanted to kill each other most of the time um was just like marriage <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah so my husband is matt he is a guy who played in matt lot he played in a band called waverly and mm -hmm. Um, that was a band that we had toured with off and on and i got to be friends with all those guys which is really awesome um because they were just the most incredible guys and they were also on our record label they were on Flickr, and so i had met him um through the label and all that and me and um, justin our guitarist he was justin was a photographer and i went and helped on styling with one of waverly's original photo shoots and all that kind of stuff so i had met all those guys and got to be friends with all them and then um, we were friends, me and Matt were friends, and I was friends with all the guys and we were for a while. And then we just kind of started to hit it off. Hey, oh! <laughs> after a year, and then we decided to get married. <laughs> and so um, that was really awesome for me to be in a relationship with someone else who was also in a band. I mean, there's hard parts and good parts, but you know, traveling in a band is really difficult no matter what your circumstance. Um, and when you have one person traveling in a band and another person who's a spouse who stays home, you know, there's a lot of friction there. It's a lot of difficulty, you know, and, but because I had, um, the person who I married was also in bands, he totally understood what it meant to be super sad to have to go, but really excited about what I was going to go do. And, no one can, you can't really understand that unless you're in that exact same position. And so in that, and I understood what it was like for him too, you know? So um, it made it harder in some ways because I'd go off on tour and when I got home, he might've just left for tour. And that, you know, that makes it hard to be apart. And yeah. so, um, but at the same time, we both knew why we were out doing what we were doing and we were able to pour into each other and strengthen each other and build each other up um with a perspective like it would be difficult to have otherwise so i feel really blessed and um he's also just a really awesome person and a super ton of a lot of fun one of the funniest people i know and um and so it's really a blessing to have a like-minded person who is um you know so supportive of you no matter what um even if it means self-sacrifice you know that's just a, a huge blessing um and so being married, it just meant that sometimes instead of just hanging out on the road at the Mall of America for three days before our next show, I would fly home or fly somewhere else on the road to where Matt's band was, that kind of thing. Mm. And so it really um, it really was just something that really added to my life and really blessed me, you know. And then when we had kids, though, it kind of changed things up, though, because even though me and Matt were so good at being independent and doing our own road life and all that kind of stuff, you bring a little kid along and, you know, Johnny, he's not great at being independent of his dad or independent of his mom. So like pretty soon after Johnny came along, we started realizing, you know, now that he's getting old enough to really know what's going on, it's not so great for him to be a part of dad for three weeks at a time and stuff like that. So it really did reshape how we toured and what we did um, in a lot of ways that way. But at that same Firefly was really feeling like we could use a break from always six shows a week. And, you know, and the recession really started hitting us around that time, too, whereas we kind of skated by it for a long time. And suddenly it started hitting us. And uh, just it was like, we need a break. 
I got yeah. a question. I got a question for you too. I, I've always wondered this question because when your band first started, and then like Skillet, Switchfoot, Jurgen, when you guys first started, sometimes some of them, some of the bands had different members that started the band, and now they left the band, and all of a sudden the bands got big and gigantic. Mm. Have you ever talked to the original members of Firefly who are not in that band? Do they ever regret leaving the band? Like, do they wish they were still in the band? Or do they ever drop the hint? Well, you know, if the cards, if the guitars get sick, I'm only a flight away, you know? That's funny. That's a funny question. So we went through a I'm a funny guy. Huh? I'm a funny guy. So when we were first getting started, like, I was fresh out of high Right. It took us a while to find our first, like, real, like, our first drummer. He decided to leave um, because he was in my in our youth group too. Yeah, and yeah. he wanted to become a worship pastor, and he wasn't sure. band thing. So he left. We're like, okay. And then we had like all these fill-in drummers for a while, and we tried so hard to find a good drummer that would stick with us. But we kept. <laughs> it just kept not working. We had a drummer. Got arrested the show, like all this crazy stuff. Always, I don't know what it is about drummers. They're super creative, but they're also uh, quirky. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so then finally we found Fee, who was kind of our first like, he's we consider him our original drummer. He yeah. was, got signed, you know. He was yeah, he's a couple years younger than me, so he was super young in our band years in our band spectrum. He was like a kid, you know, coming fresh out of high school, I think, when we got signed. And um, so, and then we were all together for a long time. And I still talk to V all the time. And um, our very first, like, drummer, I haven't talked to him in a while. His name is Bob Hedge. He was in my youth group, you know, and now he's doing his own ministry type stuff. And I've talked just a couple of times. But we were, I mean, it's kind of like the people, you know, that used to hang out with in high school. You, you kind of. Gotcha. <laughs> that guy's such a. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so no, I talked to Fee all the time, every week, you know, he decided to leave the band and go pursue like a speaking ministry and just ministry in that way. So he's been doing that for a long time. And then we ended up getting Adam McMillian and he's a great buddy of ours and he was with us for a long time. And then he decided he didn't want to tour so much, which is exclusively, he wanted to do a lot of different things. And then since then we've kind of had villain guys, nice. and a lot of fun guys, Dingle Callen and, um, Zach, dang it. Zach, last name is falling out of my head right now. But anyways, so it's kind of strange. I mean, now um, even Justin kind of, our original um, lead guitarist who has now come back to be with us for this last album, you know, he took some time off too. He had to take care of his family, you know, and it was just time for him to step back. So now he's on staff full time at a church and, um, and gets to be with his family all the time. He lives up in Michigan. So, but he got to fly down and do a lot of writing with us on this album, which was awesome to be with him again and have kind of, you know, we're getting the band back together, but live. Um, but it's been me going to Wendy since the very beginning. And here we are just the stalwarts. We're too stupid to give up. Nice. <laughs> so uh, speaking of family and, and concentrating on that over the years, you released a couple more albums. Justin left the band. Uh, Adam left the band. 2015 hits uh, the year of Innova. Um, and um, you guys had decided to kind of take a break um, from the road a little bit, concentrate on family. Um, what was that time frame like for you guys uh, with the Innova album and everybody kind of taking a step back for a while? Uh, my first son had just been born, actually. And... Um... With Innova, we we had um, it was a really cool experience because we'd always ever had one producer on an album, you know, strictly rock albums, one producer start to finish. We tried to have an album with two producers and it did not work out, and so we ended up with one producer of the two, <laughs> and that was Jason Rao. And um, so it was neat with we worked with like four different producers, and it was a really different experience to be able to go and write with and merge with like all these different, I mean, different, totally different visions, you know, and it was a really fun exploratory time for us. And 
um, making like pursuing new sounds and um, different stuff with a different kind of edge to it. And I really enjoyed it and had a great time. And I really enjoyed making that album. And so it was kind of like a, a season of firsts, you could say. And we were really, we were pulling ourselves back from touring so much. I went on staff at a church as a worship leader. And that was a really cool time as well. And so um, a couple years into that, I decided I caught a vision to make a worship album because I was really myself in. Um, just the awesome worship culture there at the church that I'm working at. And so that opened up an opportunity for me to do kind of like my own solo project sort of thing. And I really loved making that with Rusty Camp, And he was one of the producers that we used on Anova as well. And so kind of all just came full circle. That's awesome. Yeah, the um, Anova album reminds me, do you know the, the band Emery? Yeah. So Emery is one of my favorite bands uh, as well. And um, Emery came out with I'm Only a Man in 2007 or so. And it was one of those albums that was like super polarizing for, for the fans. Like you have fans that are like diehard, like this is the best album you've ever come out with. But it was very experimental for them at the time. And then there's other fans who were like, I hate you now. Um, and, um, I, I remember reading some of your, uh, you know, your interviews on the Anova album because it was much different than what you guys had done in the past. And for some fans, like this was just such an awesome album for them and super powerful to hear. Um, and I know you guys have heard fans say that. Um, at the same time, it was it was polarizing in the opposite, you know, as well. There were fans that were like, Oh man, you know, we've waited and this is this is it. Um, what was that like for you guys to hear both ends of that spectrum with Anova? Always tough because you make music and it's like your baby, you know, and you don't, nobody likes to hear them say they don't like their baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, if, just like anybody, if you go on a YouTube and you find some videos of yourself and you go and you read through the comments and you find so many wonderful comments and then there's just like that one or two really terrible comments and all you can <laughs> are those comments you know and it's really it's hard <laughs> so i really love anova and um and i think it's a great album and i think it opened up a lot of new fans to liking fireflight they probably would never have even given us the time of day which is great because that's what we're always trying to do is to just mm -hmm. earn more people um at the same time rock fans are notorious for only liking rock music all the time and so a lot, some of our fans really didn't like it and they were angry about it, you know? And so at the end of the day, you just have to take it with a grain of salt, be thankful for what you've done and for what the things that God's going to do with what you've done. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, just kind of move forward. And so I'm super, I love Anova and I, I'm really happy for everything that it did. And at the same time, when we were making this last album, we decided, you know what, we're going to make an album, you know, to really honor our long time. And we did even have a lot of our traditional Farlight fans who liked Anova too. But um, all of our, you know, our diehard rock Fireflight fans who've been with us since the beginning, you know, we want to honor them with this album and really make an album that speaks to them specifically and um, that, that they can um, just really uh identify with mm -hmm. and so um that's what we did we pushed really hard into the rock probably heavier than ever before with our last album and we've gotten a pretty good response and i think the the fans have appreciated it and enjoyed it when writing music i remember i asked mark this from synced is real we had him on i go when you write music do you write what you truly want to play the style or are you writing part the style you want to play part i need to feed my family so let's kind of gear it towards this <laughs> you know that's interesting um i'll say this definitely when you're starting out you have got to find ways to learn how to be wise and mature in your growth and what you're trying to do and you need to learn especially for me personally communication is just super important to me yeah um, sounds like this big stuffy word but at the end of the day is if people don't understand what you're saying or they can't identify with what you're saying then what are you hmm. and so in that way i do have some kind of calculated feeling to the things that i write and make um to the point where you know i want to make sure that when people hear what i'm saying it it strikes right to their heart and um authenticity is so super important that's like right there at the same level with communication 
So it's kind of a mixture of both to where you are, um, especially when you're doing as long as we have. Hopefully you get to the point where you're um, just sharpening yourself until you get um, to the level where you're, you have a good sense of, is this something that is going to be able to communicate with as many people as possible? And is it something that also is going to be authentic at the same time to where it's not some kind of cookie cutter, boring thing that you've heard a million times before, or the same words, just shake them up in the heart. I need to feed my family. So let's kind of gear it towards this. Basically kind of yes and no, it's kind of both, you know, definitely you you make something that doesn't make sense to anyone, then are you not really getting anywhere? Um, and at the same time, if you make something that's so generic that it doesn't mean anything, there's nothing, you know, you don't really feel any connection to it. So what you need to do is find that magic mix of this makes sense to me. And I feel like other people will be touched by it as well. And that way it's going to be true uh, and art, but also successful. Mm-hmm. So I think there are two things to point out here. I mean, God has definitely been working in your band since day one. You guys took a break for a little while to concentrate on family. Um, but there are two things that I that I think God is 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 very clear that He's in here. Number one is um, the fact that your one of your songs became a uh, human drama in my church's youth group, um, which means you've made it in the Christian world. Uh, you are like Lifehouse, everything. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> we did a we did a human drama to name. Um, which is, if, if you've heard name, anybody listening, it's, it's a spelled out song as far as in what's going on in the, in the song. And so it's easy to do a human drama too. Um, so we did one, it's super powerful song, but I just wanted to point that out. The second thing is, um, you guys come back, you, you, you've walked away from the labels. You've done the independent thing for a little while. You're taking a break. Um, and then 2018, 19 hits your, your joining Rockfest records, Justin Cox is coming back to do the new album. You're teaming up with Josiah uh, from Disciple to do this album. I feel like that's like a super collaboration happening. Uh, what was it like having all of these things fall into place with Rockfest, Justin, and doing the album with Josiah? Um, we just felt really blessed because, you know, we haven't been touring and for whatever reason, um, people still seem to be connecting with the music. And a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind, folks. I mean, we can see that in our culture, yeah. you know? And, and we were talking with um, with Joseph, with Rockfest, and um, he's like, you know, I'm looking at you guys' numbers online. I'm looking at your Spotify, all this stuff. And he says, honestly, I know you guys aren't touring, but you're not suffering for it. There's still a lot of people listening to your music, interested, new discovering it. And um, he's like, I think you guys could do an album. And we're like, okay, but we're really, we're just not in a place where we want to tour. You know, we're not ready to step into that, into that role again. He's like, I don't think you have to. And I was like, well, I mean, if we can make music, let's make it then, you know? So we had this opportunity. We could either make an album or not make an album. And the, the label was going, you know, we could, we could come underneath a label and they would support us in making an album. Which our last album we did before that was a crowdfund. And man, let me tell you, crowdfunds are so much work. Mm. I've two of them, once with the band and then once all by myself. And it was a natural disaster when I did it myself. Um, and so, um, but to be able to have, you know, the support of a label that wasn't going to tell you what to do, but was going to help you be able to do it, pretty incredible <laughs> so we really felt like is this really happening you know because with all of our other labels they were willing to fund it but also we had to do what they say hey <laughs> <laughs> you know but with this label with those art finally you know we have to say, hey you know what you guys know what fireflight is we want to help you to be able to pursue it and to find it and to get it up and that was just incredible so and then we got to work with josiah who's a buddy of ours you know <laughs> Not much more legit than the site, right? We've been from <laughs> very first tour. And so we just, um, you know, being able to go into the studio and work together and write, have Justin be collaborating back in on it, you know? I mean, it's kind of like really like, you know, bands don't actualize, you know, but it was kind of like as actualized as Firefly could get. So it's been, it was really cool. We took two years to make the album. So that should tell you something with the other labels, you know, wanting us to get it done in three three months while we're also working. <laughs> so nice. I think we feel super mega blessed about it. 
You know, a quick question for you. So, Christian rock music. I I grew up on Audio Adrenaline. I grew up on old school MXPX from Life in General, Dogwood back in the day. Um, how do you view Christian music now? Do you still see Christian rock music as ministry oriented as a whole, or is it becoming more entertainment with or with fewer bands like yourself? being still the ministry-oriented. When I think of ministry-oriented bands now, I'm thinking of you guys, as in Fireflight, Disciple, Skillet. Then there's other bands who are more just Christians in a band. They're not really ministry-oriented. They're just kind of writing music. And What do you think? Um, Honestly, rock music has not been on the upswing in, uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. And for Christian music, it's been, you know, what used to be considered adult contemporary Christian music is now really worship music and worship mm-hmm. music saying like everything is kind of taken a big step away uh, to such a softer tone, you know, kind of thing. And so um, I really see the people who are still doing rock music. I do believe a Christian rock. I mean, I feel like it is really ministry focused. Um, and when I look at the bands who are still touring, like Disciple and um, all the Rockfest tours w- with um, Seventh-day Slumber, like their major focus is ministry. And they're even doing now even worship albums as well, Disciple mm-hmm. album. And so, so it's Slumber. They've just released one, I believe. So yep. I that rock music, especially in the Christian realm, has gotten really ministry focused. It's really tough to be a rock band in any kind of genre right now. Um, even more so, I think it's always been harder to be in Christian music. Um, so as far as the marketplace, but I do think that the major focus of rock music right now, especially Christian rock music is ministry because the ones that that's all that they're doing right now, basically is out there half the time at the altar call from what I can tell. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's encouraging. I, I love hearing that. Well, it's been uh, an awesome time hearing from you. Um, before we end it, uh, just a couple last things here. Um, the last couple of years have been really good for you guys with the new album coming out or com- that came out in 2020. You won some awards uh, for that as well. Album of the Year for uh, Grizzly Awards, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and Clean Vocalist of the Year as well, um, which, by the way, I told my wife that you won Clean Vocalist of the Year, and she said, oh, that's great. She doesn't swear. And I was like, no, that's... It's not what that means. Uh, it is screaming. My friend, um, like, oh, you must have showered, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the last thing, do you have anything? What What is the next year looking like for you? Is there anything on the horizon with either Fireflight or yourself that you want to talk about? Well, right now we're just releasing singles from the new album, The Head and the Heart, um, which has two parts. And um, yeah, we felt really honored to be nominated for Grizzly Awards and to win some. It's pretty cool. We don't win a lot of awards. There's not really a lot of room for rock music in any awards, um, you know, no matter what. Like we we were nominated for a Grammy for um, Best Christian Contemporary Rock or Rap Album. Uh, many Covering all the bases. <laughs> category you can see how many uh christian music categories there are when they put rock and rap in the same category um (laughs) but so we were really honored what's cool about the grizzly awards is that they're voted for by the fans and like for instance the grammys are voted for by all the people who are members of the grammy association and the more Mm -hmm. those would be people who work at record labels who the record labels are paying for their membership to the grammy association and the artists that whose record labels are also paying for their membership to the Grammy association so um that's who votes for grammys but for the grizzlies it's actually the fans so we're really honored for the grizzly awards there's not very many um rock awards at all out there so pretty cool to get album of the year and to get vocalist of the year because i know it was the fans you voted for and that means the most so we're super thankful for that and um you know like i said we're working on ancillary material we just uh got out of the studio doing some extra stuff for one of our latest singles so who knows maybe we'll keep doing that kind of stuff too as the singles released for this album and right now um I hear rumors of things, but nothing concrete. You know, everything's just been kind of crazy since the pandemic anyhow. Yeah. Recording this new album in hopes that more and more people will hear it and that hopefully the two years of work that we put into it will, um, you know, we'll just go go out and not come back void, but um, that many people will feel um, God's love and support through it. I remember a few, I remember years ago when you said that, 
It was the contemporary rock rap album. I remember years ago, Carmen. Remember Carmen back in the day? He won best hip hop album in like 1993. I'm like, he is the far. He was, I remember thinking to myself, he was the farthest thing from hip hop ever. And he won the <laughs> he won best hip hop album of the year like 1992. I was like, come on. You've clearly never listened to the verses of Awesome God, but that's oh my fine. God. <laughs> Again, huge thank you uh, to you for joining us tonight uh, and for uh, putting your your kids to bed early so they can, you can hang with us. Um, it's been wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for joining us. And for everyone who's watching at home, uh, we're about to go off live. If you don't mind just hanging on for a few more seconds after we go off live. Uh, but to everyone watching at home, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us here on another episode of the 4-7 Podcast with uh, Don Michelle from uh, Fireflight. Thank you, guys.